Good evening, everyone, and welcome to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You are listening to Lag Radio, your weekly source of video game appreciation, chiptune idolatry, super sweet giveaways every single week, and so very much more. This evening, we are covering a brand new game, or relatively new game at least, came out in May of this year. It is by uh, Quantum Dream Studios, and it is published by Sony Interactive Entertainment. It is known as Detroit Become Human. It's a really fantastic game with a very unique uh, sort of blend of concepts and theories and ideas, and it just took so much work to put into it, and you can definitely see in the final product. We're going to be talking all about it. We're going to be talking about the history and development, as always. We're going to be talking about the story itself, which is going to be a hefty segment. We're going to talk about the soundtrack and how it is special, especially in the... uh, in the case of this particular game. And finally, we're going to be talking about the gameplay and our thoughts. So, this evening, we are joined in studio by an old-time guest, but new to this show. Welcome. Hi there. You are? I am DJ Ralts. The Ralts. All right. Ralster, welcome back. Yeah, it's been... I'm, I'm excited to finally be on this show. It has been a number of years since you were last in the station, I think. Yeah, a number yeah. of years, and I had... Uh, not nearly as much expertise on that show as I do this one. Yes, yeah. I was very, very lucky in that Ralts was willing and able to host me a couple of times this past week, and we were able to play through the game together, kind of uh, handing off the controller at times, one of us making the decisions, the other person actually playing through the game. It was an interesting way to go about it. So, Especially because yeah. I am so very, very bad at choice games. I, I Anxiety paral- paralysis. Make the decision, make the decision! Fair enough. Yes. So I was very glad to be able to help her out with that. So this evening, we're going to be talking about Detroit Become Human. Before we get to it, though, we're going to listen to, of course, some music from it. So we're going to start off with some tracks by... Ooh, which one is first? So the first one is going to be actually the first song off of Connors. Oh, good. I really like that one. They all look the same, it is called. So one of the things about this game is that there are three different main characters that you get to play, and each one has their own individual soundtrack each one has their own special composer so they all have a very different feel from one another save it for the soundtrack section well i have to explain why uh the next song is going to be by nima fakrara and then a song after that's gonna be by philip shepherd and then after that one is john paisano again save it for the soundtrack section well i've got to get i gotta get that out of the way i also find it very interesting that for you they all look the same was the first song on the uh, Connors section, because for me, when I looked it up, it was Hostage. Interesting. That is interesting. I don't Which know. also makes sense, because Hostage is the first chapter. Yeah. That is kind of strange. Maybe I switched things around. Either way. I did send you They All Look the Same, I believe, and it was like, you have to play this one. Could have been why. <laughs> Could have been why. Well, in that case, we're playing one of my favorite songs first. Well, I'm excited for it. So, hope you guys enjoy it. Before we get to it, though, real quickly, the social media website you can follow me at facebook.com slash laglifradio. You can find me on Twitter at laglifradio. You can go to my Instagram, DJ double underscore marmar is where you want to head to. I do stream on Twitch regularly, Sundays, Mondays, and Thursdays every week, 8 to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. That Twitch is twitch.tv slash DJ single underscore marmar. And finally, we have our playlist site. It is lagradio.kuci.org. As of right now, it is fully updated with all of our playlists, so it includes uh, last week's 
show on Burnout Paradise. However, I'm still working on the podcast. There is, I think, through Earthbound at this point. So uh, I'll be getting to Shadow of the Colossus soon and uh, some others. Oh, you played... I missed that one. Dang. It was Dang. fantastic. I really, I own it and I really, really want to, so now I'm going to have to listen to your show and play that The one. PS4 remaster? I do not have the PS4 remaster. I have the PS3 version. Get the PS4. Oh. Get it. Get it. Anyway, so we're going to get into this show. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, don't forget also later on, we're going to have a giveaway. I already announced it on the Facebook page. You can see what it is that I'm giving away there. Uh, it is a couple of stickers of your choosing from of course, Detroit Become Human. We have uh, one of them is a hi, my name is blank, and I'm the Android sent by Cyberlife sticker, so kind of like a name tag. And then the other one is this really cool holographic uh, Android mark. It's like a triangle. Yeah, pretty cool. Check it out there, facebook.com slash laglife. I really, really, really want the hi, my name is one, and he won't let me participate in the giveaway for it. Nope. Special guests are ineligible. Deal with it. <laughs> Anyways, if you're going to want to win the giveaway, the 949-824-5824 is the number you want to take down now. That was super fast. Why don't you say that again? It is 949-UCI-KUCI. Very easy to remember. 949-UCI-KUCI. And you'll want to call in when I tell you to later on in the program. So get that phone ready. All right. Without further ado, let's get into the music. Again, they all look the same. It's from Connor's part of the soundtrack. It is by Nima Fakrara. Hope you enjoy it. Thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar, the mid-boss, joined by DJ Raltz, and we are Lag Radio. Good evening, everyone. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar, the mid-boss, here with DJ Raltz, and we are Lag Radio. This evening, we are talking Detroit Become Human, game released just earlier this year for the PlayStation 4, and only the PlayStation 4, in fact. We are just about to dive right into it, so let's talk about the history and development of the game first. So, it is written by the director of the game, who also happened to direct Heavy Rain and Beyond Two Souls, both Quantic Dream games. His name is David Cage, and it was led by the French team, Quantic Dream Studios, and was produced over the the, uh, span of about four years, in fact, they cited about four years it took for them to both write the entire gigantic script of two to three thousand pages, uh, for real, two to three thousand pages, and also to record all of the different motion capture and scenes and whatnot. So total of about 180 people, not including all of the outsourcing that they did to numerous other teams to get, you know, localization for the Philippines or for China, etc. It is a lot of work that went into this game. No kidding. It does come from, however, a short tech demo that they released called Kara. Now, I was looking up the dates of release and all this, so Heavy Rain came out in 2010. From what I saw, the Kara came out in 2012, which is still six years ago, which is pretty nuts. And the car that is in this trailer, this short tech demo, is exactly the same car that you play through the game, which is confirmed in an extra later on you can kind of find by uh, unlocking it through the menu in Detroit. But I did not get to watch Kara, so I'm not entirely sure what happens. Would you like to explain a little bit, please? Yeah, yeah, sure. So uh, what it is is it's it's a single uh, scene that has uh, Kara being built while a, a operator uh, controlling the machines, putting her, the machine together, are doing tests and uh, r- routine maintenance to make sure that she's functioning properly. They have her sing in Japanese, German, French, um, do all these different calculations. And uh, 
as they're they're putting her together, she uh, goes, "All right, well, you're ready for, you're ready to go out, you're ready to be sold." And she's like, "Sold, but I thought." And he goes, "Think, baby, you're a machine. You don't think." Um, and it's like, and she's like, "I thought I was real," and he goes, "Well, that's that's not right. Um, you that that's a malfunction in your programming." And he starts to disassemble her, and you see the entire process of her being put together reversed, and she like cries out that she, she doesn't want to die, um, and so the machine operator takes pity on her, uh, reassembles her, and then says, "Do you do not." do this you act completely normal you do whatever they say and you're you can live and she she promises to do exactly that and you see her put on to the uh assembly line with all the rest of the caras and is and she gets wheeled away and that's the that's the entire uh thing it's it's very emotional i'm not doing it nearly the justice i really insisted he watch it before we before we uh did this but i mean it is it is an emotional short and i dang dang (laughs) and now it's pretty you said it's a short so it's just about what seven minutes seven minutes and like that's not too bad especially if you just want to kind of get the feel for what this team created with detroit and the sort of emotional impact the heaviness maybe the uh, characters that they built so yeah yeah i remember watching kara years ago when it came out when uh they were it was it was the uh, trailer to show what they were able to do with heavy rain, I believe. Um, what they were doing with the motion capture and on the the new graphics. Um, so they they created Kara, and man, I'm I was so excited when I found out about Detroit Become Human because I loved that that uh, short so much. It it was incredible, and then getting to find out Kara was in the game was even cooler. Yeah, super cool. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned heavy rain, so it is important to to note that uh, we're not going to get too far into it in this section. We'll talk about gameplay in a little bit, but it is the gameplay is similarly styled to those other games that Quantum Dream is known Quantic for. Quantic Dream. Quantic. Quantic Dream is known for. So uh, the stuff that's very dialogue-driven, it's all about character interactions. A lot of the time it's cutscene, but there are some cutscenes that are interactable where you're able to do these quick-time events, a la, like, the God of War series that you might be familiar with or some Resident Evil games. Until Dawn. Until Dawn is one of them as well, uh, one of the more recent ones. So decision-making is kind of the key of it, though. So going back and forth between... um, you know, just the back and forth of dialogue, like in real life. So that's kind of the style. So if you're looking for something where you're shooting guns, if you're looking for something where you're platforming a lot, there is some sequences where you are walking, you know, as a... As running. A running, that sort of thing. But you're not really... It's not a platformer game. This isn't Crash Bandicoot or, or uh, Sonic or anything like it's that. It's a story. It is a story. It's a, it's an interactable story. It's almost, yeah, almost reads It's like a visual a novel. novel. <laughs> Well, I think that's something else, but <laughs> I think that's taken by another genre. But it is, it is, but I, I would call it a inter- interactive movie. Sure, sure. Speaking of movie, though, that's kind of what they were aiming for when they were creating the game. So all in all, they've enlisted over 250 different actors to to take over 513 total roles in the game, which is nuts. There's 35,000 camera shots, they said, 74,000 unique an- animations, and when it comes to the code... 5.1 million lines. I can't even fathom crafting five lines. <laughs> uh, as somebody who's attempted to do a little bit of coding, I can I can fathom about 
3,000 maybe. Ugh. But 5.1 million. I don't even think my coding friends would be able to fathom that. They'd just be like, nope, nope, no. There's a reason it took so long to make this game, uh, but the product really stands as this was worth. So um, interesting. The way that they do their motion capture, I think, is very important to cover because it is so good in this game. It's probably the best I've ever seen in any game. What makes it different from other motion capture? So other motion capture games, you've got a person wearing the suit, and then uh, with the facial expressions and stuff, it tends to be computer animated, and they'll maybe take some, like they'll they'll analyze a little bit of the face. But in this case, there's 83 total dots on their faces. Uh, do they take up the entire face? Is it just one massive dot? No, they're tiny. They're very very tiny. 83 tiny little silver dots all across their face. Just cover, just cover the face in them until all you're seeing are these moving silver dots. Yes. No. Not in the game. I mean, in the real life. In yes. real life, yeah. In real life. So basically what they had to do is it was like directing a movie where people were acting out everything in real life. You and, and the uh, your co-stars and everything. And you're I just funny looking. That. What's that? <laughs> I'll save it for the gameplay section. <laughs> okay, fine. So... Yeah, it's it's very very expressive. The way that they made it look, the the likenesses of the characters to their real life counterparts, insanely. Oh my god, I saw a good. picture of a uh, um Marcus's yeah. actor yeah. and I thought it was just a picture of the character from the game. <laughs> yeah, and I was like yeah. this is just the character again. Nope, that's a real person. He looks so good. Yep. Yep, for real. Yeah, I'd seen him. I was I was looking at where I'd seen these actors before, and him I recognized from Grey's Anatomy. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah. in Grey's Anatomy. Um, he was in one other. Oh, he was in Cabinet in the Woods. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, those are the two ones I recognize him from. Yeah, yeah. All of the all of the actors have been in some minor things here and there, uh, but are largely unknown. Yeah, for um, the most part. Yeah. Yeah, it actually makes me want to watch Grey's Anatomy again just for him, <laughs> <laughs> which I told myself I would never do. Yes. Well, wait. Oh, because it's so long. Because it gets so bad. Uh, yeah, that's another that's another episode. We'll talk about <laughs> it. For now, though. So with regards to the animation, you know, one of the hardest things for animators is to animate the eyes. You know, that's why a lot of the times the things look so dead when it comes to the eyes in video games. Uncanny Valley. What's that? You don't... You. Do you, you don't know what the Uncanny Valley is? Nope. Oh my god. Um it's so We'll talk. We'll talk. We'll talk. Well, it's it's important cuz it has to do with eyes, but uh, what it, is it? It's um the alien like the surreal alien likeness of a robot or an anime character or something to a real person, um, often attributed to the fact that they have dead eyes. So mm. they can be incredibly lifelike, but there's no life in the eyes and that gives it a disturbing surreal feel um, okay. that is the uncanny valley okay well i mean of course everyone knows of that i think you you know it when you see it but i, I didn't know that there was a title to it so okay so yeah so that's basically what, what we're talking about here um but really you know that that's just the way it is with the current system that they have of motion capture you can't put these silver dots on people's eyeballs so oh, they can try they will probably try with some <laughs> sort of contacts or something i don't that know that would be so cool you watch five years ten years we'll see 
uh, with the actors, they said that really working with this with this particular project, it's just like there was constantly, constantly action going on. There was constantly stuff that they were doing because, you know, typically with movies and stuff, you've got a scene, you take a break, you got a scene, you take a break. And really with this, it's just they're constantly shooting. You are not wearing any makeup. You're not wearing any sort of like crazy clothing get up that takes hours to put on. Um, just 83 dots. 83 dots in this funny looking suit. But you get in there and you cover like four times the amount of script that you would typically cover in a movie or a TV or something well, like yeah, that. Yeah, you don't have to spend 18 hours in makeup. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so very, very productive. Very, very productive for the team. Plenty more that we're going to be talking about. So we're going to get back to that in just a moment. First, though, let's talk or listen to more music. So we're going to listen next to Hostage. It's on Connor's side of things. Also, by the way, we listened uh, to three tracks total. First one was They All Look the Same. After that was Little One. And after that one was Father and Son. Uh, You should be saying what uh, they're from as well. Which, which which, uh, Which character? They all look the same as Connor's. Little one was from Kara, and father and son was Marcus's. So Thank next you. one is Connor's once again by Nima Fakrara. After that, we're going to listen to The Junkyard, which is a Marcus song by John Paisano. If you want to call in, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. Find us on the web, KUCI.org, streaming worldwide 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Don't forget, we have a giveaway later on, so make sure you take down the number. If you haven't already, we're going to be giving away a couple of really cool stickers. One of them is an Android mark. It's holographic, it's shiny, and it's cool. And the other one is a Hi, My Name is Blank, and I am the Android sent by CyberLife sticker. So get them because I can't. Yes, yeah, win them. Win them. Win them. (laughs) Win them for me, but don't give them to me. Keep them to yourself. Be selfish with it. That's right. You deserve it. So. Again, thank you so, so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM Irvine. My name is Marmar, the Midboss. This is DJ Raltz, and we are Lag Radio. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Lag Radio here at KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar, the Midboss. I'm joined by DJ Raltz, and we are talking Detroit Become Human. Right now, uh, just finished was The Junkyard, a Marcus track by John Paisano, and before that one was Hostage off of Connor's soundtrack, and that was Nima Fakrara. So, we are still talking about the history and development of the game. Of course, a game called Detroit Become Human is going to be taking place in Detroit. So, I know, wild stuff. So, the team had to go to Detroit, visit there, do some research, talk to actual citizens, human beings, and get their thoughts on Mm, Detroit. That sounds like fake news. They had to. That's what happened. Nobody talks to people anymore. They, well... In didn't, person, did, yeah. Didn't really we have better. a fight about this during the That's game? true. Yes, we did. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, people people do still talk to each other in real life. So they did. They talked to citizens. They checked out architecture. And they really tried to imagine a future Detroit where there is, you know, everything that Detroit has gone through in the past number of years with their economic instability and just, like, terrible, terrible living conditions for a lot of their citizenry and how that would be like contrasted to a future renewal where suddenly there is millions and millions of dollars of money being funneled into it so yeah that was that was kind of what the team had to do and did for the research of this game now a lot of the ideas found in detroit are extracted from a pretty well-known non-fiction novel called the singularity is near it's by ray kurzweil and they it basically the author argues that the speed at which the human mind can develop pretty much nowhere near the speed that you're going to find off of a computer's development. So take, for example, how far computers have come in the past 10 to 20 years versus how much the human mind has evolved in the past 10 to 20 years. Very, very big difference. 
And so this is why the author kind of extrapolates and says, it's probably pretty likely that one day computers, and therefore also androids, robots, will one day uh, develop emotions. And that's kind of where the concept for this game comes from. Now, very important to talk about is the critical reception. So upon release, it was pretty well regarded amongst the audiences, but critics were not all on the same side. A lot of people cited that some of the themes and the references that were in the game cited like the civil rights movement, some treatment of drug users and domestic abuse felt kind of contrived and they didn't really do the source material justice. So for example, Vice did a, I don't know why we would trust a review from Vice necessarily, but Vice did a review on it and said that Detroit siphons and squanders a history of marginalized struggle. This kind of stuck out to me as pretty strong. I think that it's it's a decent point to make and a good one to make. Um, but I think uh, that you focus too much on the negative. However, in my perusal of, um, of reviews, I did not see anyone comment on the historical or non-fictional aspects of the game positively um not saying that like like it was just it just wasn't brought up whenever anyone brought up the positive aspects um and maybe that's to say that they did all of that pretty poorly um i don't i don't quite know i i've only been to the airport in detroit so well, I don't think that they're just talking about it in, De in Detroit, but we're also talking about just the civil rights movement across the country as a whole, that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I, I don't necessarily think that they they did a uh, it, they did a dis disservice to uh, marginalized struggle, but as somebody who is not a minority, I can't particularly attest to that. Um, I do think that. Yes, they were very on the nose about things, um, but I don't think everything has to be couched in allegory. Um, I think that they they were upfront about it, and sometimes you just you need to hear things blatant. Well, we'll talk about that a little bit later. We'll talk about our, our closing thoughts about the game as a whole, but we have to talk about what the hell the story is even about. So let's get into that first. Ooh, my favorite. <laughs> yes. So the story of Detroit Become Human is centered around three different stories, three different routes that you get to take, and three different main characters that all start completely independent of one another with some similarities in that they're all androids, but they eventually converge all of their stories into one climax. And it really talks about what it means to be human and whether artificially constructed beings could deserve rights equivalent to humans. So... The game starts, opens with Connor, who is a detective android. He is sent to negotiate a hostage situation at the top of an apartment in this futuristic Detroit city, circa 19, or 19. Uh, whenever I say the word circa, I always think circa 19, eh, something like Circa the 1980s. No, C yeah. Circa 1800s. In circa case, 1776. Circa 2038. How about that? So uh, Connor is the first chapter that you get to go through. He really, to me, stands out as the brain of the three. He kind of represents the brain in that he's more of uh, the analytic type. He's uh, he's the only one that can stay a machine and not go deviant the entire game. Note that by deviant, we're talking about how uh, later on in the story, we talk about that there are deviant androids. So androids who are able to go against their programming, disobey their masters, and just 
kind of become their own person. Well, the entire point of the game is deviance. It's not something that happens later. It's something that happens pretty quick. Right. Yeah. It's just it's that like, we haven't said what... that yet. So that's oh, why okay. I'm explaining it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Um, in fact, the Connor's first chapter is an interaction with a deviant um, that he has to uh, subdue. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that's kind of the twist on this hostage situation. The hostage is a human child, but the hostage taker is an android. And uh, yeah, so that's the first part of Connor. Now, Marcus gets introduced second. He is just kind of in the park at the moment. He's tasked with picking up his master's paints at a paint store named Bellini's. And he walks, walks through a square of the Detroit city during the daytime. So while the hostage situation took place at night, you get to see all the pretty lights in Detroit. All the nice architecture from the renewal of the technological age. Yep. So now we get to see it all in the daytime in a very different light. And in my opinion, Marcus kind of comes across as the hand of the three. So we're talking all about these three characters as some sort of part of the human body. Marcus represents the hand to me because he is all about Ironic, action. considering that none of them are human. Sure, but they are humanoid. They have brains. Yeah. They have heart-ish. They have biocomponents. So they do. They they have blood. They do have blue blood. So yeah, I would call him the hand of the three because he's all about the action. He is uh, not necessarily as as android as Connor, but he is not quite as sympathetic and f empathetic and feeling as our third Kara. Speaking of Kara, so she, her story picks up right after Marcus's chapter, first chapter ends, and she is an android who is recently repaired. So you open your eyes and you are in a repair store, and your owner comes in uh, to pick you up, and your owner, named Todd, takes you back, and you can already tell right off the bat pretty much that he is a very abusive, very aggressive, very mean individual who also happens to be a drug addict, and he abuses his child named Alice. So you were supposedly in a car accident, Todd says, and that's why some of your body was damaged. But later on, you do realize, or you've come to find out, probably, most likely. A lot of these things, by it, the way, are most likely if you yeah, discover it's, them. Yeah, it's unreliable narrators, um, which I think are very cool. You find out through the child through child's drawings that uh, you were destroyed by the, the dad. Um it's interesting. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting way to try and tell a story sometimes. You don't have to always necessarily beat someone over the head with it. You, you can kind of let the audience discover. So, yeah. So you find out that Todd didn't just abuse his child and doesn't just abuse his child, but also happens to abuse you, the android part of the family. So generally, if we talk about everything in this game. So it's all about Connor, Marcus, and Kara. When it comes to Connor... He's, after dealing with the hostage situation, he is brought onto an investigation involving those deviants that we talked about. So androids, they pretty much jump their programming, they're able to be their own person, quote-unquote, and they disobey orders. He works alongside an alcoholic android-hating lieutenant by the name of Hank Anderson, who he may or may not become kind of buddy-buddy with over the course of the game. Yeah, it can go from, uh, you, it, it kind of takes the whole buddy cop thing on its head, um, even when he is friends with you, he's not particularly nice. Um, and you don't have to be particularly nice to him. Um, I, I found that very interesting. I was actually uh, looking through some of Connor's alternate options that we didn't go through. Um, and seeing how Hank reacts to him is very interesting. Um, 
it's it's not a one one to one parallel of you act this way you get more points with him and you act this way you get more points with him but it's really really variable depending on a uh, just Hank's mood at the moment honestly and I found that really really cool because it wasn't um it allowed me to go more with my gut rather than uh what I think will get me the most points yeah yeah when there's no real points at stake here it it, it makes you think about a game in a different way yeah so it's all about the the experience and what would you do in that sort of position or what do you see this particular character doing and so it's almost a choose your own adventure sort of game Oh, it definitely is considering all the things we lo- we missed out on. Yeah, that's yeah. another part. We'll to get read to that book again. <laughs> we'll get to this a little bit later too. But part of the gameplay is that you actually get to see all of the different routes that you get to see in a flowchart form. You can all the different routes as you're making them. You're like, oh, well, I missed that, and I can't go back to it. Yeah, there's no going back unless you restart the the whole chapter. Actually, so. there. Yeah, you have to restart the whole chapter. But um, you can go back mid game. But the lovely, lovely lady on the screen informs you that that you probably shouldn't do that yes yeah there is a an android who kind of welcomes you every time you boot up the game whom i will be talking about in depth (laughs) we'll talk about chloe i have thoughts on her she was actually the first android that was made yes yeah kamsky dr kamsky who's the the creator of all the androids and leader of cyber life she was the first intelligent one he was well she was the first one to pass the Turing test, which means that she's the first of the modern androids, yes. She's the Dolores of the game. Dolores? Don't worry about it. Okay, we'll get to it. So, we're talking about uh, Detroit Become Human this evening. If you want to call in, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. If you happen to want to call in just to discuss your own feelings about it, I'd be happy to talk about it. Also, you can call in and win the giveaway when I tell you to a little bit later on in the show. So stick around for that. Again, the giveaway is going to be a couple of really sweet stickers from Etsy. So you're supporting small, local, or not local businesses and not uh, big name big name peeps. If you want to check out our socials, we have plenty of them. Facebook.com slash Radio is one of those. You can hit the like button, get updated every day or two. Additionally, if Twitter is more your thing, twitter.com slash lagliferadio is fine to go to as well. Instagram is at DJ double underscore marmar. I try and post there also just about every day or two. And finally, we've got our Twitch stream, twitch.tv slash DJ single underscore marmar. I stream Sunday, Mondays, and Thursdays. I either play the game of the week or, like in this week's case, I did not because... Uh, I was playing it over at DJ Ralts's place, and so instead I streamed Magic Online, which is kind of like my thing. We we could have streamed it from my place. Technically, I guess, but I wasn't really... I'm not really... Mm. It would have had a lot of me shouting at him. Um, sure, <laughs> so yeah. It would have been a lot of me shouting, choose, choose something! Choose something! <laughs> yes, one of the important notes, the things that we haven't talked about yet because it's part of the gameplay, is that when you're making decisions this game, you are not given the unlimited amount of time to choose. You do, as if you were in a real conversation, you are given a certain amount of time to respond. And if you don't, then, well... It's like a telltale game. Silence is an option. It's an option. It's not always the best option. We didn't actually do any silence options. I'm going to have to replay it now and do that. I don't like silent options generally. I did as Big B. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah, part of, uh, what's it called? The Wolf Among Us? Yeah. yeah. Such a good game, too. But, all right, so we're going to get back into some music now. We're going to listen to Dark Knight's Kara Song. After that one, we'll be fine. Jericho from Marcus's side of things. Again, thank you so, so much for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. This is Marmar the Midboss with DJ Ralts, and we are Lag Radio.
Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Lag Radio. We are just finishing up our third set of the evening. We listened to a Connor song called Connor and Hank. It's by Nima Fakrara. Before that one was Fine Jericho off of the Marcus soundtrack from John Paisano. And finally, in the beginning of the set, we listened to Dark Knight, really, really pretty track by Philip Shepard, part of the Kara Root. So, we're talking Detroit Become Human this evening. We're talking about the story at the moment. One of the important things to point out, though, is that every character has these regular kind of interactions between others, these dialogue options and things that maybe make minor little changes in the story, but there are also ones that make some major, major changes to the story. So, for example, in Connor's line, one of the uh, spots is where Connor is chasing a deviant across the rooftops, going through all these sorts of, like, greenhouses that are on rooftops and sliding down walls and like angled walls and such all these crazy stuff and then he while he's just about to reach one of the this deviant that he's chasing after he sees that hank also happens to have been in pursuit and is just at the wrong place at the wrong time or maybe right place at the wrong time and hank gets pushed off of the roof by the deviant and is hanging on a ledge. And now at this point, time stops, and you are given a short period of time to decide, are you going to save Hank, or are you going to pursue the Deviant further and potentially capture? It is, might I remind everyone, his mission to catch the Deviant. Yeah, and he is an android supposed to be following his orders, so what will he do? do and you are of course given that that choice you get to play the character however you want to you're even given from this kind of connor hud heads up display sort of thing you see that hank has a percentage of survival at this point it's 89 percent. so you can choose i mean he's pretty likely to survive but at the same time if he doesn't mm, how's the story going to progress so yeah big stuff and that's kind of how the game continues throughout each of the other stories i found it pretty interesting that uh because you kind of, kind of, uh, or at least you mentioned pr- prior to the show that Connor doesn't have as many uh, specific. Um, uh, Connor doesn't have any specific, uh, uh, or many big choices to make. But I think he does. We just don't get as much impact right away. Because he gets, he's the only one able to be brought back so many times because he is uh, still considered a machine. So they just bring him back updated. Um, so you don't get to feel the impact of the choices he makes until later on. Um, I think that just as the player, you aren't given as many huge, like, whoa, this is a big decision. Like, uh-oh, here comes the entire story going in a different direction. He has a gun pointed at his face by his partner. Mm, I think that there are instances, but I think that the others have more larger ones. That was such horrible grammar. That doesn't make a difference, though. <laughs> so, anyways, point is is that I think that uh, that overall, this is how the game plays out, and you, as the player, are given so much power in this story that it's really a, a different sort of, of experience than your typical platformer, your typical RPG, or what have you. So, very, very fun stuff. Uh, Kara, we're going to talk about very briefly before getting into music. So Kara, her task pretty much is to take this abused child from her terrible, terrible household uh, and abusive father and finding a new safer place to house this child so that she can grow up in a healthy environment. And of note, though, Kara has no money, 
has no job after she most likely murders the father of Alice, the girl. Th- there are and, other options that can be taken. Right, of course. There's there's always going to be an option when it comes to the, the, the story. But generally, the, the deal is that you have no money, you have no job, and you are on the run from the police because you are a deviant. And uh, you are just in this really terrible, tough time where you need to find android sympathizers or, or someone that will help her despite knowing that she is an android. And so she's kind of balancing secretly being an android and secretly not because she, she needs to give her identity to certain people um, so that they're able to help her kind of run away from, from what's going on right now. So uh, one of the early big decisions that you're tasked with that's really neat is you get a, a crossroads sort of moment where you can take yourself to a convenience store to try and reach out for help. You can go to the motel and try and house your child there because it is raining and it's very dark and it, your child might potentially, Alice might potentially develop pneumonia, who knows. There's a parking lot and then there's also an abandoned house and you get to choose where you want to try and stake out for the night. And uh, yeah, what did what would you have done? Honestly, uh, playing as Kara, I would have gone to the abandoned house. Um, I was not like i wanted and marmar here might laugh at me for this um i wanted to play a relatively peaceful game um which is this is not my usual um but i i didn't want to like we had no money which meant we had to get money from somewhere which meant it was going to be illegal and the kid was clearly not down for that the kid is a kid um i just I was not interested in doing that, and I I would have gone with the uncomfortable but still fairly safe route, um, especially in light of uh, things that are found out later in the game, which I feel definitely like would have pushed Marmar's decision in a different uh, way. Well, hindsight is always going to be a twenty twenty thing. So forty yeah, twenty at, at the at the time at least it was it was the best decision I could take, which was to go into the convenience store and try and get help. All right, so that's kind of Kara's beginning and, and how it goes for her, what her, her mission is. With regards to Marcus, though, so Marcus's story, we talked about how he's got his... Marcus. <laughs> clearly, clearly, Rawls here very much in love with Marcus. Uh, to be fair, I just find him very physically attractive. <laughs> it's basically love. Basically. <laughs> basically love. So Marcus finds himself mistreated at the hands of the police after a crime is committed at his master Carl's um, household. I think you are grossly underselling what happens to Marcus. Um, I'm going to rest control up in here and say what actually happens, which is when Mar- Marcus's turning point is uh, his his owner, Carl, and him have a very father-son relationship, as evidenced by the song Father and Son that you previously heard. And uh, Carl's real son is just a piece of trash. Um and so he begins to instigate things and Carl uh, and and uh, Marcus has the option of doing what Carl says and not uh, responding to Leo the son's uh, antics slash antagonisms or defending himself. And 
something bad happens either way. Um, I'm I'm not gonna say what, just in case it's too spoilerific for this crowd. Oh no, we're supposed to give spoilers. Oh, we're show. supposed to. Yeah. Give, okay, so um, if you endure and and don't and don't fight back, Carl dies, which we found out we were very unhappy about. We were Carl is a sweetheart. How dare he die? Um, or you can defend yourself, at which point Leo's neck breaks because you pushed him onto something. And either way, you are caught around a dead body as an android by the police. And they freaking shoot you dead. Or at least as dead as they think they can. And then they throw your body in a junk pile for you to disintegrate. Right. Yeah, just like that song we play called The Junkyard. Our Marcus finds himself just stranded, partially disassembled. He's been shot. He's in this muddy, dark pit, heavy rain outside. Oh, oh. And uh, there's just this this pit of broken androids that have been shut down or mostly shut down. So Or are just there to terrify me. Yeah, they're pretty much there just there to scare you, right? So there are legless androids that are just dragging themselves there around. Are, there are bodiless androids that are just legs walking around. Yeah, it's kind of really awkward. There's, there's a corridor of hands, which I definitely made Marmar go through, even though it was very simple. I just did not want to do it. Oh, yeah, definitely a corridor <laughs> of hands. And, yeah, just a bunch of lifeless bodies of, of spare parts everywhere. So Marcus, uh, he has not... Uh, gotten the ability to use one of his eyes anymore, so he has to salvage that. He's you have to drag yourself audio. through because both of your legs are broken. Right. Yep. So you got to find spare legs, and eventually you you get all of these things, and you're able to pull yourself up out of this pit through a hill. It's just built upon all of those dead fellow androids. And fun fact, since we're going spoilers here, that's how uh, Marcus gets his heterochromia, which I found very interesting because when we started playing, he did not have the heterochromia. He had pale green eyes, both of them. And I was like, but in, in the in the trailers, in the demos, he's got, he got two color eyes. What happens? It's because his eyes been shot out. There that he go. don't have it no more. So I thought that was cool. There you go. Now, before Marcus pulls himself out of the pit, though, he does get stopped by just like this one half of an android that's kind of popping out of the wall and grabs him and says, you can be free. You can save yourself and find Jericho and passes on this image thing to Andrew, to, to Marcus via his hand or something. Just this symbol that's found like on a, on a wall of a, of a train station. And from there, Marcus says, okay, well, I've got nothing else now at this point. At least in my route, Carl was dead. So Marcus didn't have Carl anymore and was left to, to rot as, uh, as much as an android can rot. And so Marcus decides to go and try and find Jericho, uh, you know, which we later find out is a conclave of deviant androids that have escaped their fates of disassembly. And he tries to integrate with them and eventually kind of leads them up to rise up against the humans. And it could be done so violently, could be done so diplomatically, could be done so somewhere in the between. But there, there, there actually is a, a meter at one point showing the uh, how violent versus how peaceful are you being. So you can have percentages. Like uh, I was at one point 100% peaceful, but smashing windows looked like a lot of fun because I wanted to save androids. So that upped my violence meter a bit. Right. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's pretty cool to see just kind of where you can go between because there, there's always going to be gray, just like in real life. There is gray. There's not just black and white. One of the major decisions that Marcus has to make, though, while he is leading the group of androids through the streets of Detroit during a peaceful protest, at least for my playthrough, it was peaceful. I demanded it be peaceful. I was not doing this. I was, no, we were doing peaceful. 
Yeah, no, there was no way I wasn't going to either. So you are stopped by a riot squad. So the the police are called and the riot team comes in. They got rifles aimed at your group. You throw up your hands and and say, you know, we're, or at least in mine, I I was passive. We are alive. We are alive. We are people who recognize us. And I just want to point out real quick that this part plays really well to can you hear the people sing from Les Mis? Like I played it, <laughs> and like right right when the music swelled, they put their hands up. It was great. It was it was perfect. It I was really recommend yeah. doing it. It's m- very much like Pink Floyd and the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> exactly matches up. Yeah, would recommend for sure. So the riot squad, they're just yelling at you like, "Hey, you are illegally gathered. You have to disperse, or else we're gonna open fire." And you, as Marcus, are given the option: Are you going to stand your ground? Or are you going to disperse? And or- if you do stand your ground, are you going to be aggressive about it? Or just hands up, you know, that sort of thing. So big, big decisions to make in all of the routes throughout. Oh, and it's so fun to see how it plays out and how it changes the entire thing. We we have to play again going more aggressive so we can see the differences. Exactly, yeah. And and as Ralts mentioned, the characters, the main characters, they can all die, right? Like you mentioned Connor can come back. That's well, that's true. But there, there is a point where he he can die and not come back. But yeah. for the most part, while he is going, his his storyline is, for the most part, more linear than the others, which has to do with what they were saying. There's a lot less big woe, scary moments in his because he he is at that point in the game not a deviant. He plays most of the game as a machine. He is not. He does not have unstable software. He does not uh, jump his programming. It's not until late in the game that he he can choose whether or not to do that, um, and I think I'm not I haven't fully one hundred percent concluded this, but I think you can actually not have the cha- choice for him to go deviant. I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't um, be surprised. Yeah, the way I was re- when I was reading up on things because I cannot stand not knowing all the parts of a game um, is, is that. Uh, unless you fulfill certain conditions he does not go deviant um and the more he dies and has to be re- uh brought back uh further and further erases um his instabilities which are part of what leads to him being deviant interesting stuff there you go so before we continue on we talk about some of the main themes in the game i do want to get back into some more music so we're going to listen next to song of the lost girl off of car's soundtrack we'll also listen to car's main theme after that and then a false freedom off of Marcus's. If you want to call in, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI is the number, and we will be doing a giveaway a little bit later on, so make sure you get that number down so we can get you some free stickers, Detroit Become Human themed, of course. So if you want to check out what they look like, go and check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash lagliferadio. Without further ado, though, Let's get back into the music. Thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss with Ralts DJ, of course, and we are Lag Radio. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to Lag Radio here. My name is Marmar the Midboss, and I'm joined by DJ Ralts. We are talking Detroit Become Human. We just got done listening to two songs off of the album, both from Kara's Root. Most recently was Kara's main theme, a more lengthy one, about seven minutes in length, but very touching, very poignant, very moving to me. Before that one was Song of the Lost Girl. Both of those, of course, were by Philip Shepard. So before we move on to discussing the soundtrack, I really want to touch on the main themes of the game. So first thing, very, very obvious off of just like the second chapter when you uh, are introduced to Marcus, unemployment. 
So androids, with being these workers that are capable of taking over all the menial chores and tasks that people don't really want to do and are not so fun and uh, make life a hassle, means that they take over a lot of jobs. High unemployment rate of 28% is what they mentioned in the game. What do you make about this? I think, I mean, obviously they're talking about unemployment via advancing technology, and that's a very real issue that we deal with in the real life, not just in the game. So what do you think about this? I think I think that it's a, 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 a good point to make. Um, I... I don't know how I feel about about it necessarily because I really, really want there to be androids. And up until recently, I was really, really unemployed. So <laughs> I feel like I'm torn, you know. Um, but it, it's it's a good point to make. Um, and it's it's made all the better by uh, making our replacements look human. Um, so I found it really interesting how at the beginning you uh, have um, Marcus confronted by uh protesters who are against it and you have one uh police detective in connor's route he's very very anti-robot because and he says and i will not verbatim quote because i'm not allowed to curse uh about how they've got uh plastic detectives now taking over their jobs um i think that uh Whenever someone tries to make a, a commentary on un- unemployment via uh, computerization and technological revolution, they forget the fact that there are always like we humans are never going to be able to be fully replaced. Um, you just you can't do that because at the very least you need somebody to watch the robots. Um, but I feel that uh. I forgot where I was going with that. Um, <laughs> that happens sometimes. Um, but no, I, I think that it, it's something that we have to be aware of. Um, but I I genuinely don't know how we will react to it in the future. I don't think it's going to be a purely negative thing considering the fact that it's already happened. Like what? Uh, there's like twice or four times as much manufacturing in america now as opposed to in the 70s but there's one third less people doing the jobs um so i mean this is already a very real thing and very very few people are protesting it as as they should be or angry about it as they should be and in these games or whenever this is brought up in fiction people are always very 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 focused and angry on this fact so uh um yeah it's it's strange. What do you think? Well, uh, I mean, one of the arguments is that the unemployment rate is very, very high in the game uh, due to the androids being created. However, uh, another point that I thought of was, like, unemployment was really high when the steam engine was introduced as well, and people outcried during that time. And then what happened? Well, look at where we are right now. We weren't crying. It didn't make that much of a difference in the long run, right? So probably in the short term, people are going to see their jobs disappear, but people will adapt and there will still be things to do, like you said. So repair and maintenance of androids are probably part of it. So, uh, you know, people people will find the jobs or maybe, maybe, and this is a wild concept, maybe people will just stop reproducing as much and then we won't need to have so high of an unemployment rate because... 
that would be lovely <laughs> but uh from what i've learned that's wishful thinking um <laughs> yeah i another thing to point out is oftentimes what we'll be having robots doing and androids doing our jobs no human wants anyway um i i can honestly say i i think sanitation workers are extremely hard workers they are they are strong-willed they are are great people we cannot live without them i do not want their job nope um and i'm pretty sure they don't want their job um how great would it be to have a robot do that be pretty great but can you provide for your family if a robot takes over your job i don't know you just maybe, have to find some other sort of maybe way. maybe you shouldn't have that family so you just stop having to reproduce <laughs> maybe I don't know. There's just some stuff to think about. Another one of those main main issues in the game. Another one, though, that they talk about, and I, I really want to get into this one in particular, is the concept of humanity. What is humanity, right? So this is not something that we're going to be able to cover in this short, short little episode of a That's show. That's right, people. We just got this into a philosophy show. Do 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 do. Yes, that's the hum- that's the philosophy song, by the way. <laughs> do, uh, do 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 do. <laughs> so one of the the issues that is brought up basically is the ship of Theseus. So the ship of Theseus. Ooh 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 ooh. Can I say what it is? Go for it. Okay, so the ship of Theseus thought experiment is that say that there is the ship of Theseus, the the Greek legend in a museum. As time goes on, the wood rots away and needs to be replaced. Eventually. All of it will be replaced. Is it still the ship of Theseus then? Second part to that is if you collect all the rotting wood and store it store it away somewhere else, uh, one day you find a way to cure rotting wood and fix it up to it so it's exactly the same biological components it used to be. You then rebuild the ship using all those rotting pieces of wood now now cured. Which then is the real one? And is this one just as valid a ship of Theseus as the one that's now in the museum. It's a thought provoker. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, it makes you think because can you have two ship of Theseus? It, it, it one would Theseus? say probably, Theseus, perhaps ships of Theseus. Ships of Theseus. Yeah, maybe it's like maybe brothers-in-law. Yeah, maybe. No, 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 no. I have a degree in linguistics. I feel, I feel like I can comment on this. Okay, well, you can confidently say then that it would be ships of Theseus instead. So, anyways, point is, is that yeah, what what is the case here? So, it, in in the android sort of discussion here, if we were to replace, say, a person with android parts. You know, because obviously they're not just going to have androids. If the future continues on, you're going to be integrating their bio components into your own body to become a better, you know, quote unquote, better, more efficient sort of human being. Maybe you won't need as much food or... We can rebuild them. Exactly. That sort of concept. So what happens when they replace all of your body parts with bio components? So are you still the same person? Or also, if in the case of an android... They are mass-produced, by the way, so you've got numerous different Connors, you've got multiple Kara's, the, the whole deal, the whole deal. So if you've got two beings, Kara 1 and Kara 2, and they both have the same components in them, are they the same individual? I would say no, because you aren't, uh, it, it's a lot like nature versus nurture. Um, you're not solely your biological or, in this case, technological components. You are a combination of that and the experiences you obtain. 
therefore you you would not be the same and i like to think that as long as the memory center slash mind uh become it stays the same then you can be fully replaced and still like physically fully replaced but still be the same person um i i think that has a lot to do with uh well i mean like for instance ghost in the shell uh the the major she's been fully replaced physically but it's still her mind maybe i don't know i mean the, with that though are we saying that she has actually the same like her memories were transported into a flash drive or something and then they they gave her an android like a mechanical brain and then uploaded the memories into there it's entirely possible i mean uh, to be fair, I didn't finish Ghost in the Shell, so I don't know why I brought this up. Um, <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> Either way, the point is still there, though. Yeah, um, I think it's it's a really interesting idea to put on the table, especially because we have to rebuild Marcus at one point. Yeah. Um, and and there's a uh, there's also another part where uh, Kara can can get a bad end and be completely reset where she might no longer be herself. Um, and you have to either try to escape from that or try to recover your corrupted memories. Um, and the thing is, is she still Kara after she's been reset? Who knows? Uh, was she still Kara beforehand because she had been reset previously? I don't know. That's for you to decide as, as the, the player, for sure. Now, one of the other themes that they bring up in this, I think, or at least what I what I felt when I was playing it, was that... They might not have meant to bring this up, but it's definitely something I thought about. Yeah, so how we treat other human beings. So how we treat them as just basically machines that are used for our tools. So, for example, I just went through the drive-thru this afternoon to get... Uh, actually, no, it was more close to dinner time, but I went and got my dinner from the drive-thru, and it was a very quick and easy and painless transaction with uh, another human being, but all of the conversation that we had was exactly the same as I have with pretty much every other drive through person. And they may as well have been a robot, right? Because I treated them as such. I just said, all right, well, thank you for the order. All right, have a good one. Um, I remember my time in retail. Uh, people did not care about me. My customers, some some did, don't don't get me wrong. Some Some customers, especially when you work in a pet store like I did, love to make human interaction like social connection with you but a lot of the time i i was not a person to these people um i was a tool i was a customer service tool i was i was there to help them um and i that also goes along with the now i like to think largely defunct idea of the customer is always right um you you are there to serve them nowadays i mean at least when i worked that was not the case my my manager always sided with me um but but this idea of y y it doesn't matter what abuse you take it doesn't matter uh how the customers treat you they're right and you are to take it um that's that 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 hits hard that's why uh i i found this idea of especially we're seeing mostly the robots in service industry places i mean they mention boy band robots and musician robots and we get to see an, a robot be an artist um but it, it's it's mainly menial labor they're doing um and so what does that say about how we see 
people in the service industry and retail industry nowadays. Right, yeah. In some ways, we treat other human beings more like machines than the machines are uh, able to, to treat us, I think, in the game. So, uh, you know, you think about just how we could really use some empathy in our lives. We could really use the, a moment of, of clarity where we're talking to the person in the drive-thru or the person who's checking uh, or ringing us up at the grocery store, and we think to ourselves, this person across from me actually has an entire life that they've held up until this point with another family, with all these memories that they've made. They are the accumulation of all those things, and they are not just the person who's handing us this bag of food. It's it, We could use that, I think, in our lives. I think it's really interesting. Um, it's actually happened with you years ago. You likely don't remember it because your memory is trash. Um, we once... You're went... not coming on the show again. <laughs> he says that now, but I've already decided I am. Um, we actually went through the probably the exact same drive-thru he just went through earlier today. And the voice that greeted us was the nicest, happiest most personable voice to ever come through a drive-thru in the history of drive-thrus this person was so happy and I, I, I it actually stunned us for a moment we were like you're just very chipper sir and he was like yeah if this is my job i'm gonna make the best of it and i was like oh my god like that that was a real eye-opener for me like I mean i've i know that these people are people i've always tried to treat service industry people as people but it was such a deviation, haha, <laughs> deviant, um, uh. from what I'm used to hearing from like my drive-through window experiences that like it really threw me and it really made me like every time I go through a drive-through now I'm like half expecting this person to not say the normal thing and just be like super chipper, even though that only happened to me once. Yeah, that's that's that person was very admirable, and I think that having that sort of, uh, I wouldn't say gung ho ness, but just being understanding of your situation and being willing to make it the best that you can, because you really you do make the experiences. You do even if you're in a bad situation, you uh, and your interpretation of it is what power you do have in this life. So good for that person, and good for us uh, as well. We were able to to really learn from that. Now, the other real quick contrast that I want to make is that when it comes to human beings like mach beings, human beings being like machines, I notice that a lot of the circumstances where you are playing as Marcus and you're up against the riot squads or the police and such, they act as if they are machines because they're under orders. So it got me thinking a little bit about how you know our military are basically already androids in some ways. Actually, um, yeah, one of my uh, friends is ex-military and he said that one of the things he hated the most was being treated like a machine yeah i completely uh, uh, believe that yeah for sure so these are all sorts of issues that you find in this game spread out across just about 12 maybe 13 hours of gameplay for one playthrough bet you didn't get this deep with earthbound uh well i mean we got pretty deep with earthbound maybe not to the level of bringing up ship of theseus but like we got we got in some good well, stuff. That's what I'm, I I listened to the Earthbound one. I'm just oh, saying. We yeah, didn't, we didn't get all philosophy. We didn't turn this into philosophy hour with Ralts and Marmar. Hey, Spec Ops: The Line was a pretty decent episode with some psychology talk. But anyway, psychology is different from philosophy. Just saying. Yes, they are different and they're similar and related. So <laughs> we're gonna move on now. <laughs> listen to some music. We're gonna listen to uh, a Connor song. Actually, it's called Analyzing. 
And then after that, we're going like to listen to Run you, With Me. If you can't tell by now, I really liked Connor's soundtrack. Connor's soundtrack is pretty sweet and very, very different from the other two. So probably you'll be able to tell right away. If you want to call in right now and win our giveaway, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. Right now. Right now. Do so, please, if you want to win some really sweet stickers. Again, check them out on Facebook.com slash radio if you want to see what they look like. One is a holographic uh, sticker. It's like a triangle and it's the Android mark. And the other one is the, hi, my name is blank and I'm the Android sent by Cyberlife. Hi, my name is Connor. I was the Android sent by Cyberlife. Yep. I really like that line, how much he says it. Yep. And it's, it's kind of like one of those name tags. So it's pretty cool stuff. Nine for nine UCI, KUCI. And in the meantime, enjoy the music. Thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. Again, my name is Marmar the Midboss, joined by Ralts and we are Lag Radio. Hello and welcome back everyone to Lag Radio here with Marmar the Midboss and DJ Ralts. We are talking Detroit Become Human. We just finished up a few more tracks off of the beautiful soundtrack by three different composers. Most recently was John Paisano with Marcus Speech. Before that one was Philip Shepard with Run With Me off of Kara's Root. And then before that at the top of the set was Analyzing from Connor's side of the story. And that was by Nima Fakrara. So as you can already tell, just like I mentioned, there are three characters and there's three composers, and there's three separate soundtracks. So, uh, four ex- well, yeah, four soundtracks because there's an entire disc of licensed music as well. Uh, it's part of the soundtrack, but for what was comprised or composed specifically for this game, there are three composers. Okay. So, there is really interesting how each one of them kind of approached their own part of the soundtrack. So, they used a different soundtrack for each character and really what that meant is that the composers could stay loyal to their character they could really not have to venture too far outside of the sound that they were looking to create just in for the sake of like trying to come up with more interesting different things so um for example so Kara's part definitely centered around the same motif definitely a lot of swelling strings and uh you can hear the the string line that seems to say Kara like the way that just kind of the notes play out it's like Kara Kara, Kara, Kara. that sort of thing. And that's what the, the composer Philip Shepard was trying for. He found out the really that his inspiration came from a log cabin that he visits every now and again in Montana. That's his kind of getaway place where he works on some of his soundtracks. And uh, he watched the flame and how it kind of moves in time with some sort of soundtrack that you can't really hear besides the crackling of wood. And that's where he kind of came up with his... Uh, all of his inspiration for the Kara portion of the soundtrack. Now, Nima Fakrara, who was in charge of Connor, made some really sweet custom instruments and also used a lot of old-school synthesizers like by Moog and such. And you can see some of these instruments on uh, the begin- the making of the soundtrack, a little short that you can find on YouTube and other sorts of video outlets. Would recommend taking a look just so you can see like what it is that Nima came up with. It's really cool and definitely as we mentioned earlier it's the the style that he was going for was this is an android definitely has orders definitely doesn't necessarily have a mind of its own yet a point. lot of a lot of heavier more electronic music was really used uh for connor's and i found that to be particularly interesting um i i enjoyed all of theirs um i i, I however i just I found it really, really cool that Marcus and Kara, for the most part, they had very different uh, soundtracks, but there was still a similarity to them. Connor's was just right off the bat, super, super different. 
Um, and I think that had a lot to say about how he's a machine first. Yep, definitely, definitely agree. Yep, so Marcus, his is more of, because of the way that the cinematography was for his game, just where, where his story goes, it's more of an epic sort of style. There's more action sequences. It's just, the, the, you know that he's the leader of this android rebellion, this revolution, and uh, yeah, they kind of make the, the music go towards that sort of way instead. And there's also this kind of church hymn-styled theme, though, going on, too. So it was pretty interesting. And the reason why the composer, John Paisano, mentioned is because he wa- he saw Marcus as like a savior figure to some of the other androids, of course, depending on the route that you take. He might not be the savior. Well, yeah, again, depends on how you play the game, so who knows. But All right, so that's going to just about do it for the soundtrack, though. So we're going to get into the gameplay in this last uh, bit of the of the show tonight as we try not to go over time because my god we have so much to say about this yeah the gameplay is really sweet i mean it's not it's not revolutionary because this is in heavy rain this is in beyond two souls this is also in indigo prophecy uh which is one of the the first quantic dream games this is the same sort of thing where they have this dialogue driven character interactions you've got cutscenes, you've got little quick time events but with this one, there are some unique sequences, very specific to the subject matter and the fact that we are androids in the future here. So parts where you have to analyze a crime scene as Connor and you examine certain objects really in depth by scanning over certain sections. Put them in your mouth. Yeah, that's another thing. Connor <laughs> loves licking blood, apparently. Love blue he, blood. He has a, his, his biological component reader is in his tongue, so he you know, licks the blood to, to, to analyze it. And it is hilarious every time Hank just goes, oh, come on. <laughs> yeah, come on, Connor. You don't have to do that. No, but he does. He's using his uh, his Android abilities for good. So, uh, yeah, so it's not really a difficult thing to do when you're doing these examining portions of Connor's side of things. It gives more insight into certain elements and things. But to me, it felt a little bit kind of unnecessary, like it was just thrown in because they needed to. Wait, and although they probably could have gotten away with it, via cutscene some of the times it it was fine i mean it, it didn't ruin the experience it didn't break immersion or anything for me so that was okay it just wasn't great but what is more exciting though is this reconstructing pre-constructing thing that both uh, connor and marcus have so when you're playing as connor you're looking at the crime scene that you are identifying and you're looking at different elements of it and you're able to pause time reverse it stop it and just mess around with it so that you can try and come to an idea of what actually happened yeah, um, it, it's really cool. It's the it's first shown in the the very first chapter, the hostage chapter, where you have to recreate what's been going on with the deviant android, and um, I loved it. Um, I really I didn't get to do very much pre constructing, unfortunately, um, mostly because I I was very anxious to make choices, um, but I loved watching Marmar do that and like seeing how things could play out i thought it was a great way to add in that android element yeah it was pretty neat because it doesn't just have you look at the scene you're also encouraged to spin the camera around and look at it from different angles because then you're able to see things that uh you wouldn't have seen otherwise and you're able to examine and further kind of give you more a clue of what was going on during the incident so yeah, pretty neat stuff. You figure out like what objects the people were using, etc. Now for Marcus, though, you're tasked with a real-time pre-construction of the route that you will be able to use to try and navigate different tricky uh, physical situations. So, for example, there's one moment where you have to take down a drone that's got its kind of course circling overhead, 
and you have to figure out what's the best way to take it down. So you notice that there's some nearby scaffolding that it sometimes passes, and you're given this option of do you go up it this one way or do you go up it a different way? Do you jump from the statue? Do you climb the statue and try to jump through to it? Uh, no, no, that, that'll get you too far away. You don't do that. Go a different route. Yep. Yeah. And really, once you figure out the correct route, the way that you are able to take down this drone, for example, or any of the other ones, really, it's very satisfying, I think, to, to see it play out perfectly just the way you wanted and uh, then continue on with the story. And yeah, I would have liked to have seen maybe a little bit more of this particular particular uh, gameplay element. Now, like we talked about earlier, there's also this flow chart where you get to see all of the routes that there are, all the decisions that you can make, every so last little thing. So many very decisions. Overwhelming. Very, like, very. Like scrolling out to the point where you can't read the words for the choices you could have been making anymore. That's how many options there are. I think by the end of it, we had like... It was like press R1 for this person, press R1 for this person, like like two or three routes per person. Like it massively changed. And that was actually one of the biggest, uh, uh, what's the opposite of a praise? One of the biggest praises of the game is this game makes you feel like your choices matter. And they do. They are narrative shifting. Yeah, it's not it's not quite Fallout 4 where you have choices that you can make, but really it kind of leads you to the same endpoint. No, it does. It does lead you to very, very different points at end time. Very different. Now, I think that the flowchart itself is a questionable inclusion, though, because sometimes when I was looking at it, I was thinking, well, I don't know if I wanted to see, like, peer behind the curtain sort of deal into this game design. I, I wasn't super, super necessarily wanting to see it all the time. Because then it makes me think, well, uh, man, I could have done this, could have done that, could have. Uh, I so loved frustrating. it. I loved it because it, it made me go, there's so much more I could have done. There's so much I missed. Even if it was a, a chapter that only had one ending, there was still a bunch of things you could have done and you probably missed. I remember the very first chapter, uh, The Hostage, I played through it. I got the good ending. There were four other endings I could have gotten. I was like, cool. What other choices could I have made? otherwise and there was a fish i could have saved and i was like oh i could i could have saved a fish this whole time but i passed by it and now i gotta replay to save that fish now of note that you don't you didn't know that there was a fish that you could have saved no, necessarily no, no, no. no they just lock it and don't even tell you what it is so you have to I kind of figure that it out because i needed to know what i had missed right so for people who are more along your lines of, of thinking there i think that it would have been a little bit better and more obvious of a yes this is a great inclusion but for me i'm a little bit more mixed so it depends depends on when you're playing through it so let me know what you think though feel free to go to our socials and talk about it there facebook.com slash lag life radio twitter is at lag life radio as well i can also say that i most likely i mean me as far as games go even when it's a, a choice based game i i have a hard time replaying it unless it's an absolute favorite of mine this game while yes being in quite near the top I, I really really enjoyed this game but even with its it's like it's not dragon age inquisition levels of love but i will absolutely be replaying this game and not just because i find it fun but i i will be trying different routes i will be trying different things i will be letting characters die just so i can see what happens um i i don't think any other game has made me feel that way before that's a great thing. I'm sure that the developers are very, very happy to, to make people feel that because it's that's what you're always seeking. You're seeking to inspire emotions and, and stuff that people have never experienced before in your creations. If anyone knows the developers, you just send them that little tidbit. You let them know I appreciate what they've done. You should send it to them because they're French and I know you know French. 
Oh, but live français. There you go. Exactly. All right. So we're going to close up this evening with just one last song. It is called This is the End, appropriately titled, and this is from Marcus's side by John Paisano. If you want to call in, just say hi in the last few moments, 949-824-5824, 949-UCI-KUCI. And, of course, also on our socials, like I said, Facebook and Twitter, Lag Life Radio. Instagram is DJ double underscore Marmar. Twitch, where I'll be streaming on Sunday, Monday, and Thursday this week twitch.tv slash dj single underscore marmar and the playlist page is lagradio.kuci.org you can check out all of our playlists as well as podcasts of the previous episodes discussions next week as i mentioned last week i've already revealed it is stardew valley so please join us for stardew valley inspired episode we're going to be talking all about the history of concerned ape the studios behind it as well as its legacy coming from harvest moon and playing songs off of the soundtrack. So, see you next week. Same time, same place, 6 to 8 p.m. Pacific Standard Time here at KUCI.org and KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. It was wonderful getting to talk to all of you, even though you can't talk back. I (laughs) love being on this show. Thank you very much for joining us, especially for your first time on the new program. All right, we will catch you folks later on. Again, thank you for listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. My name is Marmar the Midboss. This has been me and DJ Waltz with Lag Radio.